0: Chicago's home for sports on Facebook at ESPN Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. This man has covered every single sport in Chicago. He continues to do a great job for the Tribune in his sixty-sixth year there, and (laughs) (laughs) it seems like he's been there that long. What was
1: Colonel Uh, McCormick really like? uh, Yes,
0: exactly. The forty-five Cubs, he was he was all over them. Let's go to Paul Sullivan from the Chicago Tribune, who I saw last night at the game. Very strange moments there, Paul. So we welcome you to the show. When Zach Levine left the court, didn't really it didn't like happen on some major like he didn't fall hard from the you know, going up to the hoop or anything. So it was really weird. And then we find out, you know, it's a knee injury, getting the MRI. Any bat signals uh, about that MRI today? Have we heard anything yet?
2: Uh, I have not seen anything yet. Um, I'm sure, they though, you know, Billy will talk during his Zoom before the Celtics came tonight. Um, I, you know, just looking at it, uh, it was just so casual the way he left that I yeah. can't imagine it's anything too serious. But... You know, definitely maybe I could see them sitting in for the Memphis game on uh, Monday and uh, give them a couple days off and maybe – I mean, I'm assuming it if it's the way it looked and there's no tear or anything, then, uh, you know, maybe just give them a few days off.
1: So when you look at this Bulls team, Sully – how far off are they? I mean, we're, most of us are shocked. They're sitting there top the Eastern conference. And then we're really shocked to see the two, you know, games that, that we just witnessed. Um, is this still realistically years away? Can they be a, a not a, a championship team this year, but maybe in the conversation next year, if everything gets, you know, if their health and, and additions all play out the the way they, they could.
2: Well, yeah, you know, it, you don't want to overreact to two games, even as bad as these two games were. They're they're still in good position, uh, assuming Zach is you know not too seriously injured. Uh, he'll be back. Uh, they're going to get Caruso back. Uh, you know the problem is this is the toughest part of their schedule. Uh, January usually is the time when they hit the wall, and you know Brooklyn, Golden State next week. They got Milwaukee, and Memphis is playing great. So, I mean. It seems worse because uh, we were expecting so much. You can just see the uh, Jesse can tell you that the place was so primed for the game last night, and then they got so deflated in that second quarter. Um, it's just disappointing, but I still think they they can rebound from this. Uh, but uh, yeah, it it was brutal, no doubt yeah, about was, it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I said earlier, Polo G was the most exciting thing at the at the game last night. Um, now, Jesse, you and Paul—you were sitting
2: behind Polo G, right?
0: Right. Yeah, to the yeah. yes, to the left and, and one row left, behind. Right? Didn't he leave? I think leave, he did um, leave. He yeah. did leave. Yeah. So uh, when Polo G leaves, you know, right. really, that says it all. <laughs> that does say it all. Visiting with Paul Sullivan from the Tribune. All right, Sully, uh, you're a longtime baseball guy, so I'm going to take the first chief shot of the day. Which de- which defense was worse, the White Sox last year or the Bulls? last night or the last two nights i mean what is going on what is billy what is billy saying about this defense right now
2: um just what probably what you uh think you'd say it's just you know it's just the lackadaisical efforts and uh you know bad habits uh you know he said you can't really blame it all on the the injuries although not having caruso there really you know that that hurts uh alonzo last night uh you know, uh, five turnovers, and uh, he just didn't seem to have it. Uh, Io, uh, you know, he has up and down nights. So, they're just not playing defense, and uh, 138 points in back-to-back games, even against two really good teams is, you know, is just not acceptable, especially for a team that really made its reputation this year playing defense. So, uh, you know, they've got to get back to that, and you know, hopefully that starts tonight.
1: Well, they have about a month here to the trade deadline. So you, do you think they'll be very aggressive or just kind of sit back and let this season play out um, and be realistic enough to not mortgage the future because, you know, because they have a gaudy record to this point?
2: Yeah, I heard you guys talking about that earlier, and I kind of agree that they don't really have much to offer. Yeah. You know, you want to get a prime time uh, power forward, which is their biggest need, or you know, even a small forward that, you know, can help out Vooch uh, there, because Vooch is not a guy that's you know, a typical center, a typical five. So um, you know, maybe Williams and Kobe are their are the best trading chips. And I'm not sure if, if our tourists want to trade either one of those, although last night I thought Kobe didn't do himself any favors. Yeah. Um but uh I mean, you're you're not going to get a star back. I, but I think Arturis is an aggressive guy. We saw that last year with the, the Vooch trade and, you know, signing DeMar and Lonzo. So it's a tough one. Uh, but, uh, you know, and Billy also added that, you know, that you got to factor in the team's chemistry and all that. And you don't want to add someone who's a selfish player that's not going to fit in there. So, you know, it's, it's something to keep an eye on the, the next month. That's for sure.
0: Well, what I'm curious is, do you get any vibe from the front office? Like, just like if this was the end of Pax and Gar's run, they'd probably push all chips in because they hadn't won for so long. But this is the beginning of of a run for for our tourists for sure. And I'm, sh- I'm assuming Donovan, right? They just formed yeah. this team. Does, does it feel like this is more of a long haul thing? Not not any like every season is sacred. We got to go for it right now. I mean, what is there a vibe to to all that? Uh, well, I wouldn't have
2: no vibe from the front office. I've said hello to our tourists. I've never actually interviewed him, except in press conference. So, sure, I, I, I you know, wish I could answer that better. But I, I will say that uh, he seems like a very aggressive guy. And and you got to also remember that you know we all assume Zach's going to re-sign next year, but that's you know that's not a given. It's probable because he loves it here and. But you know exactly as we saw last night, it could get ugly. Speaking
1: of front offices, the Bulls need, the Bears need one. Um, what what did you make of George McCaskey's Zoom call? <laughs> and and I, I was saying to Jesse, is much of an embarrassment as that was for the most part. The the list of names and the people they've so far interviewed for GM and coach is they're pretty good lists, all right. I mean that that yeah. now. It's the most important thing is, you know, who, who gets the job and accepts it, but it seems like it, there's still jobs that people covet, uh, as much as the McCaskey seem clueless and you're working for them. The one time, you, the one thing you get with the bears is time, right? Uh, you get seven or eight years to ask Ryan Pace, you can be awful <laughs> and, and they don't show you the door very quickly.
2: Uh, yeah, that is true. So, uh, you know, we got that going for us, but, uh, I, I really do think that Paulian is going to be the guy making the decision. Uh, like you said, you know, Bad George has admitted he's just a fan and doesn't know what he's doing in this <laughs> regard. So he brought in kind of a rent-a rent-a GM in Paulian, so that he doesn't have to give him the football czar title. He can just rent him out, get his opinion, and then get the new GM and then move on. So it's really a, a you know a classic mccaskey uh, cheap move here really when you think about it right it's it's uh,
0: it's it's definitely strange and just the idea that once polian moves on now the gm reports to mccaskey what exactly does he report what what, what's the he he, i i asked him about the conversation about fields when they named him the starter and mccaskey said he was surprised that that uh nagy even brought it up to him so won't he be surprised if the gm brings up any personnel decisions to to ownership it's just a weird dynamic
2: yeah it is a, it's a totally george thing and you know when <laughs> i was watching Zoom, the 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 two things on my mind were like he seems like a guy that has never been told no in his life like his parents or you know he never had a boss probably so he just got his whole life thinking he can do things and say things because he was so insulting to some really innocuous questions. Sometimes you get, we so defensive. Um, it was just ridiculous. And, you know, the Owen Kurtz thing was oh boy, just so yeah. bad. It's so untasteful. And, and my second thing was, where's the PR people, you know, you're having this big press conference. You only talk once a year. Aren't you going to kind of go over things with them and okay, this is what they might ask. And what do you think you'd say here? And, You know, don't say that, but just really, it was great for us because it was so bizarre, but it's just a disaster for the Bears. And, you know, someone's got to tell this guy, uh, no, don't say that.
0: Yeah, you know, I had the same thought that uh, where's the media training? right yeah. that that's kind of what i was thinking i i almost felt bad for him in a sense even though i shouldn't right his billionaire family and all that stuff but yeah, it, it, we it, worked yeah. you know on the cubs and you know we saw peter
2: chase telling the manager or joe or whatever yeah. hey uh, this is a, the topic of the day and you know just be ready to answer questions about this and you know, give him time to think of something. It, it well, just, you have uh, to
1: be willing, and maybe George isn't willing to be coached up. I mean, and maybe yeah, they've tried, and he's, he says, i got this. I see when I'm watching that the other day, and, and I'm watching the comments too, which were almost more entertaining than George's answers. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, he just, he's sitting there saying, speaking these answers and not realizing how they are going over completely. Yeah. I mean, just how they're landing, like, and people are shaking their heads, and that's mild, right? I mean, and he doesn't seem to understand how bad this thing's going.
2: Well, do you guys think that now that it's over, that someone has told them, like, you
0: know, oh, here's what you do next time? Or no. no,
2: no, I don't no. think so.
0: I don't think right. so. It's it's does, telling does the owner even
2: realize it was that bad.
0: Or well, we're uh, just saying that because we're the media. Yeah, probably, probably. Hey, you mentioned the Cubs. Before we let you go, let, the feel-good story of the week, I feel like, was John Lester's retirement because there's very few people that that get the love that he got this week universally. Yeah. It seemed like, you know, there's no, oh, there's yeah. no, there's no random fan saying he didn't sign for me. There's no bad, you know, there's no teammate anonymously saying this guy was a jerk. Like, it's a lot of love for him. And certainly in this city, one of the rare guys that lived up to his free age. What, what, you're not surprised that he that he called it quits, I assume, Paul, right? Oh, no. I, you know, it would have been nicer if he had done it
2: the year before. But I guess, you know, I think he did get his 200th win this year, right? So maybe that's in the Hall of Fame. It would have been nice, it, nicer if he retired as a Cub. But um, either way, I mean, I, I think you you know him better than me. I think he was probably even – surprised by the reaction, as big as it got. Cause, uh yeah. You know, he, he was a guy, whenever he talked, he was great with us, but, you know, he wasn't a guy that, like, sought us out to talk. No. And he of the imagination. So he was, you know, he chose his words carefully, and, uh, you know, whenever we needed a big-picture story, a player to comment on a big-picture thing, you know, we would ask for him. So, uh, no, it, it just a, a great career. One of the most significant moves in Cub history. And, uh, you know, he'll be missed. Uh, hopefully he goes into TV radio and, uh, gets to criticize players. <laughs> on TV. Uh, does,
1: does he, does he be, is he a hall of famer? And certainly the team should retire his number and give him the bad metal numbers off the old scoreboard, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think he got the old, he got the, that. Yeah. No, yeah. He yeah. Got yeah. Maybe twice. I don't know. He, yeah. But, uh, you know, personally, I I think he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, just I judge players on their era, and, you know, 200 wins maybe 20 years ago wouldn't have been good, but in this era with, you know, pitch limits and innings limits, uh, you know, it's pretty good. So I would think him, Scherzer, Verlander, those are the guys that I think of when I think of this era's Hall of Fame pitchers. Uh, As far as the Wrigley retirement, uh, you know, I wrote that and I got a lot of uh, people telling me I was wrong because he he didn't play long enough at the Cubs. Six years, obviously not a long time, but uh, I just thought, you know, he is the significance of John Lester, even if they didn't retire his number is he'll always be one of the most significant players in Cub history.
0: Paul, we appreciate the time. Thank you for covering three sports for us in in the matter of 15 (laughs) minutes. I want to continue with that conversation about Lester after we break, too. But, Paul, thank you, pal. Okay,
1: guys. Thanks, Sully. All
0: right. That's Paul Sullivan from the Chicago Tribune. I want to give you some of my thoughts on on Lester's uh, Hall of Fame candidacy and see if you're buying it, Brian, because you are a longtime baseball guy. We will do that next on ESPN 1000. There's some news about Zach Levine. Let's go to Tyler, the fine producer of this show, who uh, has an update from, or I should say, via Casey Johnson from NBC Sports Chicago. Go ahead, Tyler.
1: Yeah, so Casey tweeted out that Zach Levine's MRI is done. Initial read is that it showed no structural damage per sources Ooh. as reported last night. Levine has been playing through knee soreness the past couple of weeks and it has flared up occasionally ever since his ACL surgery. The team and Levine are still discussing a timeline right now. So good news, I guess. Ooh, for good news.
0: Yeah, definitely good news. Um, except the near future is going to be a little rough on this team to in the same week, they lose a defensive player in Jones. And now obviously one of their best offensive players, Levine, but At least it's not long-term. So we'll see. But uh, there's the update, Brian. I don't know. uh, It's going to get a little rough here. They're they're, they're probably going to drop out of the one seat at some point here soon.
1: Yeah. um, Memphis did uh, snap their 11-game win streak last night. So (laughs) they'll they'll have to restart it. But, yeah, you have the Celtics first and then Memphis. But, I mean, that's great news because uh, when you have the same knee where you had the ACL surgery, you don't need any more significant issues. And, And the fact that he's... Been dealing with soreness anyway. Uh, just whatever, you know, whatever it takes, if it takes a week or two or whatever, just get him healthy and, and let the rest of the team figure out winning on the court
0: without him. 312 332 3776 is the phone number. phone number if you want to jump on about anything we've been discussing. And I want to get back to John Lester a little bit. I, I was talking to Sully at the game last night. Like, Brian, I think that the thing I like about Hall of Fame voting and everybody trashes it. But the thing I like about it is, it's a very large voting block. Okay, a very large blo- voting block. So it's not like five guys on a beat on a on a, on a beat can get a guy in, right? It takes a, a it takes a, a huge amount of votes to get in from a from a large voting block. I like that. So mistakes tend not to happen. The right and
1: and happen. then you have the percentage threshold that guys, you know, if they don't reach it after a you know, certain number of years, they drop off, right? If they yeah. don't garner Five, enough votes.
0: I, yeah, is it 5% at any year they drop off? I think it's 5%, right? 10, 5 or 10% now. Right. Um, you drop off and then you have 10 years to get in. So like it's a large bl- voting block. So I think the right people get in. And the other thing, and I think people are critical of this as well, is there's no criteria. And I kind of like that. It's it's open to to however you want to interpret it. But again, with the large voting group, I don't think someone that was good in the locker room to the media but hit 210 is going to get in. Like he might get a vote because some media guy loves this guy because he was so nice to them, but he's not going to get 75% or whatever. So I, I kind of like the rules. And having said that, I, I'm going to apply that to, to what I'm going to say here. I also think there, there could be unique circumstances. And in John Lester's case, I am willing to put a lot more emphasis on the postseason than I am the regular season. I am I, willing to say he's a little unique because his postseason numbers are are some of the best in the history of the game. A two fifty one ERA in the postseason that ranks up there right there with, with some of the best. You know it depends on how many uh, minimum starts and all that you want to you want to look at, but it is it is one of the best for anybody that has started at least ten games, for example. So, look, his regular season, there's 53 players not in the Hall of Fame that have more wins than him. And wins is getting, you know, sort of an ancient stat anyway. But there are, there are regular season things you could say that he doesn't – he's not a Hall of Famer. But when it comes to the postseason, he's one of nine guys with 200 wins, an ERA less than four, a 600 winning percentage, and then that 251 ERA in, in October. And there's you know guys like Whitey Ford, Eddie Plank, Lefty Grove, Tom Blavin. and I also am saying lefties, and that's the other thing. If you break it down to left-handers, Brian, there's not many better than him. Now, if you include all the right-handers, different story. But I don't think it's wrong to say he's among the best lefties, you know, because that's that that's different than than you know that's a different world for than the sure. right-handers. Sure. And so that's the way I look at. It. I'm 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 maybe you know cherry picking some things here. No, so I think that, that's
1: mo- that's money time, right? I mean, when you show yeah. up, when the stage is the biggest, the, bright- the lights are the brightest, and and the pressure's on, and it, which he did. I, I mean, I, I I buy that argument completely, and I'll add, he's a difference maker. If he, you can argue if he does not sign with the Cubs after they gave him the big, you know, song, dance, and presentation, mm-hmm. and here here we are, winning a World Series video, and everything they did that Theo and Jed did to to convince him that this is feasible here in Chicago. If he doesn't do it, I I will argue they don't win the world series because now he legitimized their vision and other guys want to be part of it. Right. So totally. uh, I always said, if Lou Pinello was leading that team and they won a world series, it would cement his hall of fame credential. Right. Um, I I don't think you can overstate that for the team that had the history the Cubs did that John Lester was the first to sign on and say, okay, you know, I, I want to be part of this and I want to lead this thing.
0: Right. And that, that's what I'm saying. Like if, you, if you just kind of revolve it all around postseason, how about the fact that every team he finished a season with made the postseason at least once? He goes to Oakland, they, they make him the all-star, yep. star, the, all, uh, the Wild Card starter. Uh, yeah, Washington wasn't very good, but he gets traded to St. Louis. You talk to the people in St. Louis, he was a difference maker in that clubhouse. They go on a run and make the postseason. So my, my feeling is, yeah, I think once in a while you can take a unique set of circumstances and apply them to the Hall of Fame. He's one of the best playoff pitchers of all time. His teams made the playoffs, and his regular season was certainly good. It's not like it was crap, you know. Um, but he, that's my criteria. I say because of the postseason and because all those teams made the postseason, think about this, 11 of his 16 years – he made the postseason. 11 of his 16 yeah. years on four and, different teams.
1: And for the people giving Sully blowback about the idea of retiring his numbers because he wasn't here long enough, I mean, first of all, this day and age, six years is, uh, you know, I mean, why, why is, what's the number of years? 10, 15? That doesn't happen anymore. And, again, he was a difference maker, right? They, they got to the promised land because he came here. If he was here for three years and they had uh, achieved that, I I have no issues with and certainly your Hall of Fame argument. I, I buy it completely. And and if people don't, I'd like to hear them tell me why not they tell us why not.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And I'll, I will say this. I will push back a little. You you you, you and Sully's arguments for retiring the number make sense. I'm not I'm not saying you're crazy, but I'll push back a little because if you retire him, well what do you do with Chris Bryan, who won rookie of the year? and MVP, and then a World Series. What do you do with Anthony Rizzo, who was here the longest, um, mm-hmm. and who helped change the culture? So I, I don't disagree if, you, if, if someone wanted to say, look, you need to be drafted by the Cubs or come here very early in your career and have a decade or longer, MVPs, Cy Young, that's whose number gets retired. I actually could buy that argument more than a six-year player who also was a star in another city, you know, I could actually buy that a little, Brian, but I could buy both arguments. I'll say that.
1: Yeah, uh, I'd like to hear what uh, Cub fans think, too, because, you know, I, I still think that Joe Mann should have a statue outside of Wrigley Field. Right. I mean, uh, Theo certainly should at some point. Um, well, someone th- from
0: that team should, you know, and usually it is the manager. I don't disagree with that. There should be some recognition of that team besides a band or like of uh, individually. I, I agree with you there.
1: Yeah, instead of a vacant restaurant, they should do something, you yeah.
0: Or cha- yeah, championship, you know, plaques or something for all. of I don't know, but that, here's the point though: you can't necessarily honor them all with retiring numbers. Maybe, you run out of numbers. Uh, yeah, a Joe Madden statue is kind of representative of the whole era or something. But I can understand a six-year run doesn't get your, your number retired unless it's just you know six Cy Youngs or something insane. Plus a championship, so I, I could. That's something that's debatable, at least. But I could probably be convinced to, to 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 retire the number at the end of the day, too. So I, I'm sort of down the middle on that one.
1: All right, three one two three three two three seven seven six. If you have thoughts on that, and I also need to pick your brain because I was um, I wasn't expecting any great revelations from the Major League Baseball Union uh, get together on Thursday. But if this was the pace they're going to work at, good lord. The don't tell me about spring training. Don't even tell me about the opening day. You know, wake me up in July because they didn't move on anything really.
0: No, they didn't. And we'll, we'll discuss on the other side of this break, by the way, Zach Levine just tweeted like the prayer emoji. So I Mm -hmm. think that means good news, right? I'm not up on my, emojis, but he gave the prayer sign. So I think that's good, right? Good social sleuthing by yeah. you, Jess. Also, <laughs> another uh, update here from the Bulls. They said that Levine is not expected to miss significant time. He will be reassessed early next week when a more definitive timetable will be determined. Yeah, well, thankfully, they're they're well into the playoff race, the number one seed. So even if they drop off of it, it's not a big deal. What was the
1: MRI on their uh, defense? Were they, yeah. Was that going to return anytime soon? A lot soon? of structural
0: damage there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. All right. We'll discuss all this. And by the way, Brian, I'm going to give you NFL picks sure to lose for the weekend. So write these down. And uh, like Costanza once did, do the opposite of what I say. We're back in a moment on ESPN 1000. We are here till one o'clock on ESPN. One thousand Jesse Rogers and Brian Hanley. A little baseball talk, Brian. Um, the lockout is such a negative, negative story right now. But today is the is uh, international signing day, so teams are signing up um, international free agents. It's just a little strange. There's a lockout going on for the regular you know players, but this is happening still today. So it's a kind of a positive day for those guys, and and teams are are. are being active, the Cubs and Sox both signing some international free agents, but it doesn't really change anything that's going on in in Major League Baseball with the lockout right now. And you know, for the first time, Brian, in a while, I, I you know, I'm I'm like most people, pro player, like I'm on the player side. They're the stars; they deserve it. But I'm sort of down the middle this year. I, I feel like you know neither side has really been great during this negotiation. I will give the league some credit, Brian. I'm sure you've read a lot of the stuff that 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 has been out there that i've written on some of the proposals it's stuff that's never been proposed before an nba style draft getting rid of compensation if a you know if a team signs a draft pick they don't lose a draft pick that kind of right. stuff um changing the the uh, uh, what else uh, you know they're, they're they're offering stuff about service time manipulation all i'm saying is at least they're bringing up things that have never been brought up before but I also understand the union's point in saying, well, it's not enough. It's it's, it's window dressing. But it, but it, if you open the door for it, like if you bring up an NBA-style draft for the first time, that should open the door for negotiating the, the parameters. You don't like the parameters? Let's negotiate something. It, it, so at least they're opening the, the door, I'm talking about the league, to negotiate some things that have never been negotiable, never been on the table before. Are you buying right, so- that?
1: So if you tank, it's not guaranteed you're going to be selecting in the first two, one, two, three spots because it'd be a weighted, you know, ping pong ball type thing, right? Where you right. could still lose out there. Um, the the whole luxury tax, what they're the they're offering, two hundred and fourteen, s- small 214,
0: increase, yeah, yeah
1: two fourteen, and the union saying two hundred and forty five. So obviously some middle ground there, but it's really about the younger players, right? And and arbitration eligible and service time and when, you know, how long can you keep people into the, in the minors, even though they're ready to come up. And so the, there's a little bit of movement there, but I mean, meeting one hour after 42 days, and I know everyone says, well, deadlines, you know, get motivate people to do stuff, but what is the deadline? The beginning of spring training, the beginning of the season, because there hasn't been appreciable movement on either side here. Right. So on
0: the, on the major issues. No, they're, they're dug in. They're dug in, and but all I'm saying is at least the league has brought up some things that you, that have never been brought up before, uh, but but it's not good enough. I get it. I get it. They're not going to move on six years to free agency, they're not going to move on three years to arbitration, though they've offered some bonus pools for you know Chris Bryant wins the mVP in his second right. year, and there's a bonus pool for that, which makes sense. He should earn more than a million five or whatever the renewal rate is at that point. Um, they need to raise the minimum a little bit more. So the, bi- but, so the big issues, they're, they're dug in. But the, there's also that mistrust factor. For example, the service time manipulation. For people that don't know, and we all know the Chris Bryant situation. He was held in the minors for a couple of weeks, so the Cubs would get an extra year out of him. What the league is offered, it's kind of goofy, but what the league is offered is if a team has a top 100 prospect and they bring him up, and he finishes. In, he either wins the Rookie of the Year, or within his first three years, he finishes in the top three in MVP voting or Cy Young voting. That team, in, in, to reward them from bringing him up right away, would get an extra draft pick at the end of the first round. That's something new, right? At least it's well, something. yeah. And, and, and the union, you're... the union is saying, well, why, why should a team get rewarded for doing the right thing in the first right. place? To, to so
1: be. Con- to be competitive, if the guy's good enough to be up here and be in top three of MVP voting or Rookie of the Year, that means he belongs. So, you know, artificially keeping him down to keep your salary, you know, your your, your leverage and, and keep him on the cheap, you know, you're not, you're you're now incentivizing a team. And how much of an incentive is it? I mean, maybe not top three, maybe it's top 15 votes or whatever, right? Now, Now you're really starting to open it up a little bit. But it's something. I guess it's, you know, they're giving them a, a little leeway there. But when you have a third of the league actively tanking each and every season, you know, I laugh at Rob, Rob Manfred saying that, you know, they had to have this lockout to keep competitive balance. I mean, yeah. we are you kidding? Yeah. I mean, come on.
0: Right. So the union says, uh, why should we reward teams for doing the right thing? And the league would say, well, you told us to address service time manipulation. So here's our idea. What's your idea? You know, so it's just like this, this, you know, I think Passon wrote it a, f- a couple months ago. One side speaking French, the other sp- side speaking Spanish and that and and, and they they could both make sense in their own language. Right. But but the, but e- e- each side is not sort of hearing the other side. And that's that's kind of where we're at. And, you know, if, if the owner said, OK, five years to free agency, we'd probably have a deal. So they either need one big win or a bunch mm-hmm. of small wins, and I think they can get a bunch of small wins at the very least. But I'm doing—I'm sort of down the middle. I—I I, I think both sides are, you know, being unreasonable. But at least both sides are trying to find the middle. I don't know. I, I really don't know who. who I, for once, I'm at a loss for a hot take on this. To be honest, well, right? and
1: look, I mean, certain things like the union saying twelve playoff teams and the owners saying fourteen coming up from ten—it's going to be fourteen. I mean, when it's all said and done, because that means more money, right, for right. everyone. Yeah, right. I mean, there are certain things that shouldn't take too long to figure out.
0: And let's not forget, more playoff teams do help the players as well. Yeah. Ultimately, that you know, that's a bigger stage. If you're going to be a they, free agent, you do you well. You put up the, bigger numbers. Yeah. yeah.
1: Go back to your John Lester it, argument, right?
0: Definitely, all of that, all of that is part of it. But it's a huge chip to give the owners. 14 playoff teams. They have to agree to it, so they want a whole bunch in return, which is understandable. But there's just, you know, there's it's either going to the, the the whole system's either going to be overthrown, and it's going to be a long lockout, or there's going to be incremental uh, wins by the players, and this thing will be figured out by spring training. So one or the other, it just depends on how dug in the players are.
1: Hmm, you really think spring training is still realistic?
0: It, it may not be a full spring training, but I think it's no. possible. I think it's possible. Yes.
1: Okay, February sixteenth, and we're sitting here on the fifteenth, right? Of January. Yeah. And they, they met for all of an hour, and the players' association said we'll get back to you on some of these proposals, but didn't tell them when they'll get back to them on it. Right. Um, and but I, look, it can I move. Get,
0: but it can It can move quickly, Brian. Once once one side says, "Okay, we are we're, we're going to drop five years to free agency," you know what I'm saying? Oh, like once once one side gives in on something, it if can they move give quickly. in on
1: that, it can be done this week. I mean, right?
0: Right. For example. So I, I don't know. I don't know. But um, hopefully it's a full season, no matter if spring training is shortened or not. Because if it's not a full season, then you've done more, you know, big-time harm to a sport that already has had all sorts of harm done to it between the pandemic and, and past labor issues, right? So I don't know. It's, it's, it's ugly. And I want to say one thing, though. Like, I, I'm reporting on this, and I, talk, I don't talk to Manfred or Tony Clark often, but I talk to their lieutenants and everyone's trashing both sides, like their lieutenants aren't millionaires, right? These are guys that would love to get a deal done. This is like the rank-and-file negotiators that are not billionaires or millionaires. They just have a job to do, and they both, both of those sides would like a deal done. But there's more to just wanting a deal done. Someone has well, to give in on some big point.
1: If memory serves, Manfred's biggest selling point was that he kept labor peace, right, as, as- – Before he got to be a commissioner, right? He helped. And so now he's in the big chair and we have a lockout. And I know the owners ultimately make call these shots, but when does he work his Manfred magic and, and, you know, everyone starts singing Kumbaya?
0: Well, if the union wants to overhaul the system, it's not going to be so easy to sing Kumbaya. If they want incremental victories, they're more likely to get something done. I'm just being realistic the system is a bit antiquated, but you know how long um, six years to free agency has been part of baseball since 19, like 75.
1: Right. right. Do you know
0: how long arbitration, three years to arbitration has been part of baseball since like the mid 80s. If you're asking to overturn those things, that's a much longer and bigger discussion and longer lockout than anybody. Well, wants. I,
1: I, I've, I've, I said I, you know, I negotiated a contract at the Sun-Times with the Newspaper Guild, and that was my only experience doing something like that. And it was very contentious and we went past the deadline, but it's always easier to add something than it is to get something back that people have already had, whichever great, great side point. you're
0: on. Great point. I
1: mean, you can always, you know, here, we'll give you this, but we're not giving up something that we've lived with and really loved for a long time.
0: Yeah, we've negotiated this. This is the owners talking. We've negotiated right. this. Why should we negotiate it back, you know? Yep. but But that doesn't mean that they shouldn't give them some wins. The system is antiquated. Analytics and sabermetrics say don't pay 30-year-olds. So the, the game has changed. The owner should recognize that and pay players younger. That's my biggest – I've used the Chris Bryant example a million times. You win the MVP in your second year, there is no way you should be renewed for a million bucks or whatever you want. No, know, it's, ins-
1: it's beyond insulting. It just, I mean, it just sends a bad message to to where the game is at. and You know you should be re- rewarding your young stars who arrived well before most most players or prospects would.
0: Absolutely. He's Brian Hanley. I'm Jesse Rogers. If you have a thought, 312 332 3776 is the phone number. We'll start to wrap things up here. Next segment, we've hit on the Bulls, the Bears. Decent news about Zach Levine so far this morning about his knee, but they'll play without him tonight in Boston and Monday in Memphis. Um, Either or both could be ugly, or maybe they rebound. Who knows? This is the NBA. You never know. Jesse Rogers, Brian Hanley, back in a moment on ESPN 1000. we go through the nfl games this weekend brian wild card weekend which extends till monday night kind of fun yeah how not about so that? much not so much fun if your wife is not a football fan or husband in my case yeah. it's a it's a wife and um she's like football again really again still yeah. two still today two
1: tomorrow or one tomorrow night monday night, night yeah, monday monday.
0: yeah but anyway
1: if you really want to make money, you know, go to the uh, ESPN Chicago app and uh, check out the Odds Couple podcast. It's, yes, uh, they've made money throughout the season, but I'm very curious as to what uh, if you see any upsets here. I I have a couple, but I'm not, you know, not uh, fully committed to um, these coming through. But I think it's going to be mostly chalk. But uh, I want to hear if you have any upsets here.
0: Yeah, no, you you need to listen to me because you need to go the opposite. There's okay. there's no doubt about it. So let's start with the early game today. Uh, now, this is a cop-out. It's, it's my least favorite game. I mean, I, I think it, the Bengals on the money line is a winner. The, you know, the Raiders play those tight games sometimes. They're kind of gritty. I don't know about the six points, but I certainly like them on the money line or maybe tease them down, something like that. I mean, that seems like an obvious one. So I'm not going on the limb to say I think the Bengals will win.
1: See, that's one of my upsets.
0: There you go. See what I mean? You go the opposite
1: of me. <laughs> I, have, I have the Raiders uh, traveling. I get it. and uh,
0: Short week.
1: Yeah. And you know what? Um, I think I know Joe Burrow's been terrific. Uh, a lot of games have been off the charts terrific. But I think Derek Carr, uh, the veteran, is going to have the better game.
0: And I think the Raiders are going to find a way. You, you, you me, you know, now you're convincing me. This, this is how, why I'm so bad. You're, because, look, it is the Bengals' first playoff game under yep. Joe Burr. Like, they're, this is all new to them. And there'll be some pressure on them at home and stuff. So your your reasoning is not insane. And that's why I don't like it at six. I just think that the Bengals, at the end of the day, at home, will probably squeak it out. Um, I, if the Raiders didn't have to play that tough overtime game, short week travel, maybe I'd feel differently about winning outright. But I do think I could, I could see a close game. So well, that's the my fact that
1: they went, The fact that they went ahead and won that terrific game, and I mean, it's the last regular season game yeah. of the season, and we're all up watching it late, who was going to turn that off? The, you know, that, they showed a lot of character there. Uh, yeah. I, 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 they got to be really coming into this thing sky high.
0: All right, next game tonight Patriots at Bills. I like the Bills to win and maybe even cover but I like the Patriots in the first half. Very cold. These teams kind of, you know, played it tight the first time, feeling it out, um, may not be great offensive. I like the Patriots in the first half for whatever that is. I think they're plus three um, and probably the under for the game. That, those would be my two picks, but I think the Bills will win at the end of the day.
1: So is Belichick going to go up there and run the ball except for three passes like he did last time they were in Buffalo? I mean, you said single digits, right, and the wind chill, probably sub-zero, right? Yeah. Um, not that either one of these teams is an indoor team. Um, and, and how Belichick has got this team to to do what it did this season is, you know, a testament to him as a coach. It, it maybe doesn't settle that Brady Belichick, who, who needs the other more, but he might keep it simple, or he might, you know, do the opposite, and just, you know, if they're expecting him to, to run the ball down their throats again, and they're preparing for that, who knows, but over and under 44, I'm probably going over in this one, even though the elements might tell you otherwise. But I expect both teams to, to score some points
0: here. Perfect, opposite of me. But I do like the, the Patriots in the first half. I just feel like yeah. real feeling out, even though they played each other, um, just to see the styles and, and you know, they're getting three in the first half. All right, early game tomorrow. Philly at Tampa, I'm not going to overthink it. I, I think Tampa does its usual thing and scores points. I like the over more than the, than the nine-point uh, uh, spread. I like the over. I think Philly can score a few points. Tampa will put up 30, whatever. And so I'm saying over 46, Brian.
1: Yeah, and I, I know people are making a case for the Eagles to keep it close. I'm not going to be one of those guys. Uh, I think it will be rather easily uh, an easy win for Bruce Arians and Tom Brady and the uh, the Bucs. Uh, I think they'll cover that nine, even though it's a very healthy spread.
0: All right, next game, Niners at Cowboys. Now, this is one I feel strongly about and easily could be wrong because I don't understand why that spread's only three. I love the Cowboys. I'm not going to overthink this. I will take Dak Prescott over Jimmy Garoppolo every day of the week and Sunday at at 3.30 Central Time. I like the Cowboys minus the three. I'm rolling the dice. I like the over as well. I, just, I, I don't trust Garoppolo, and I trust Prescott, especially at home.
1: Well, there's one of my upset. My other upset.
0: <laughs> I knew it. I knew yeah. it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the line is begging you to uh, lay the points, right? It I mean, is. I, I know. Right. I agree. So right there, I, I I'm going the other way, and I I think Kyle Shanahan is the better coach, and it might not have the better team, um, but I will think that he's going to find a way to to give the Cowboys fits, and I'm going to find. I think he'll find a way to win this game.
0: How about, do we agree on the over? I just feel like they're both going to score points.
1: Yeah, that's a lot of points for a playoff game or any game, really, in the NFL. Um, But, yeah, if the Niners are going to win, they're going to have to score points. So I I would agree with the over.
0: All right, next game, tomorrow night, or uh, Sunday night? Yeah, Sunday night, right? Yeah, Sunday night. Steelers at Chiefs. I Actually, this is my second uh, game that I don't have a huge opinion on, the first one being the Bengals and Raiders. Uh, the obvious play would be the Chiefs, but the Steelers, we, they're, they're, they're Jekyll and Hyde. They play tight games, they win tight games, then they get blown out. I, I assume they'll get blown out because they're not very good. But I, I don't love the game, but I would take the Chiefs.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't love the game. I don't have a strong opinion. But uh, I think statistically when you get up giving close to two touchdowns, uh, usually taking the points is the, the better course of action if you're wagering. But I wouldn't touch the game. I, I, I expect the Chiefs to... Have a rather easy time of it, but like you said, they've been Jekyll and Hyde.
0: And yeah,
1: um, you know if their offense you know, sputters for a half or so, they're not going to cover that number. But I, I still think they should win the game, no problem.
0: Right, exactly. Final game Monday night, Monday night football, Cardinals at Rams. It's similar to my uh, Garoppolo theory. I don't trust Matthew Stafford. I do trust Murray. I'm going to take Cardinals plus four, not not on the money line, nothing like that. I like Arizona plus four division game. Keep it close. Maybe they went out right.
1: I've been burned too many times by this man, Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> if there's a bad decision to make, he'll make it. And if there's five or six of them to make, he'll make it. And Sean McVay is 5-1 and one against Cliff Kingsbury. So I know that uh, they have the talent. And uh, I, I just think, I think L.A.'s defense is going to give Arizona fits. And if there's a, a game-type decision to make, uh, I don't think old Cliffy boy is going to be up to the task. So... Makes I will, sense. Uh, take the Rams there,
0: but I do. But you do agree with me. I would take Murray over Stafford. Oh, I yeah. would. Okay. Yeah, I would. But yeah. but the rest of it, I don't disagree with you. I, I I will say this: if Arizona just doesn't cover Cooper Cup with like seven guys, then they're then they're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> then they're crazy because it's not like the Rams have a have a no. ton there offensively. If no. you take away Cup, in my opinion, yeah. um, Hopkins Hopkins still out, right? He's gone, right? That 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 slowed right. Uh, uh, uh what's his name hopkins on arizona wide receiver yeah for, he's out right yeah yeah just making sure he's out for the season yeah. um that that slowed me down but um i still like them to keep it close somehow some way i don't really have a good path to that one i just like him though
1: cliff kingsbury two <laughs>
0: <words>. <laughs> you re- what's what's he done to you they've been a good road team
1: that not this year, but in the past, in playoff games and in big games, and
0: uh, I right. had my money back
1: in them. And old Cliffy, uh, not so good.
0: Right. But is the, could DeAndre Hopkins return at any point? I didn't look that up. I meant to do that. They I don't said know. regular season. Can he return at some point this postseason if they keep winning? Because then, if he was playing in this game or the next, like I like, I like Arizona. Maybe, maybe it's maybe they can win despite the coach Brian. How about that? Yeah.
1: Well, look. I mean, they're the, they're, they're the Dink and Dunk offense all of a sudden, right? right. So, it, if if you can possess the ball, march down the field with five to seven, eight yard passes, knock yourself out. But um, I think the the Rams defense, uh, Aaron Donald, and the rest will be uh, giving Kyler Murray a, a handful. Uh, he'll as, be running for his life.
0: As we say goodbye, my advice to anybody listening: take take Brian's picks. Take no, take no. Brian's go to the
1: Odds picks. Couple. Listen or to the podcast. That, even
0: better. Yeah. Even yeah. better, North and, and Carmen are, are good at this. You and I are, are amateurs, and, Murk, and that's and Murk being is kind. And
1: Merck has had a good season, too. What?
0: Him? Yeah. No, I don't believe that. I'm going to have to well, listen.
1: I'm, I'm trying to get him to send the hockey show out to Vegas for the All-Star game, <laughs> so I'm just blown Sucking strong. up to him. You got yeah. it.
0: Yeah. All right, Brian, good being with you the last couple hours, as always. Yeah, it was fun. We'll do it again, hopefully. We will. Thank you, Tyler, for producing. We're out of here. This is ESP 1000. Jake. And Jay, Yes. Good night. From the first Midwest Bank State Street studio, this is WMVP WSHE HD2 Chicago ESPN 1000.